0: coffee.
1: I was like, oh, I, I, well, I mean, if you have a coffee, it's always important to have a backup coffee, you know, <laughs> right? Especially at this point of the day <laughs> at 930 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever gets going. Whatever gets you. Right. going. Right. Oh, uh, hello. It is so Hi. To be with you. <laughs> Hi, uh, thank you for
0: thank you for interviewing.
1: Oh no, thank you for the time. I I I hope you got your backup coffee ready. I because I I'm, I'm excited about talking about about living with Chucky. Um it it the film is so much fun. It is so much fun. The franchise is fun. Kira, sorry. Uh oh. uh but uh the, the film is fun, the franchise is fun. But you're you're voice in the film is so unique compared to another doc anybody else who could have made told this story as well uh with your perspective so i'd I'd love to know from you what was it like living with chucky
0: (laughs) uh very odd and unusual uh yeah it's it's interesting because i i almost feel like my because i'm from a home a small mountain town so it's almost like this thing that just became so normal in my life that the community around us was just like, oh yeah, that's the gardeners, that's Kira, Chucky's at her birthday party all the time, um, every year, type of thing, Um, so when you look back at it, you don't think it's that odd, because it's just your, your baseline for normal, like, I, I honestly, you know, it's like normal for me is like when you put Chucky in the car, you got to buckle him up and you got to make sure that the seatbelt isn't on his hand because then it'll bend it out a weird way and all of these things that you normally wouldn't think of. So definitely an odd childhood, I would say. Um, but it's been so lovely making this and um, because I feel somehow if it wasn't already possible, even closer to my dad and his line of work. And um, before, you know, the Chucky movies were just something that took my dad away from home. And I kind of, I didn't resent uh, because I was probably too young to even know what that word meant, hmm. but uh, over time to be exposed to it, whenever they do stuff in LA, they did the Curse of Chucky reshoots in LA. And then there were a few things I helped puppeteer for in high school and i I just i realized like wow this is a whole team like the gang getting back together again like a band but none of the band members are different nobody's gone off or nobody's passed away it's really like the same community so uh as i grew up i was like wow this is a really cool and unique thing that just so happens to be integrated into my life because of my dad
1: well and and, you know what you said there is something that's really interesting to me because i you know I didn't grow up. I mean, growing up with the franchise, I didn't realize that it was the same people involved every time. Like, I don't talk about the cast. I'm talking about the puppeteers. I'm talking about the writers, directors. I didn't realize that as well. There, there's a really unique family that was created. And and you talk about that in the film. Um, and, and I was wondering about that because there's a lot of talk in this film about family, of course, with your with your relationship to it. But one of the comments that's made is creating art is a bonding experience, and from your experience and from from your dad and what you've seen, I was wondering what is it about it that that does that?
0: Uh, just in my short experience in being a director at this point in stage, there's something very magical about creative problem solving, mm-hmm. and you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. We don't know. How, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough money. Like, is this shot going to work out? And when you're in the trenches with other creatives and trying to figure this hard thing out, uh, if you can make it work, it's this indescribable, like magical feeling that you've all accomplished something together. And without either one of you, it wouldn't have happened. And that especially goes for something like Chucky because it is multiple people all having to think like a character that uh, like their movements really have to be fluid B- because of the way that the Chucky uh, budgets were, you know, it went from animatronics to more um, rod puppetry, which is even harder because it's it's not something that it's two people hoping to do this at the same time and things like that. And there's so much that goes into it. like. My dad even explains in the film, like, when you turn your head, you blink naturally as a human being. So you have to think of all these minute things that you have to put into this character, but seven people have to be one person. And so there's something really special. I felt it myself, actually. I um, puppeted for reshoots for Chucky season two here in LA. And um, it was this complicated move where Chucky was, well, he was the bell doll. In the series and then he wipes off this disguise and it's revealed that he's Chucky and there was only four of us puppeteers on that shoot but you know you know when you didn't get the take and you're like darn let's do that again but it's this collective feeling you all get when you get it right and you're like that was it and you just like keep it's like a a, an addiction and so there's something so pure and magical about that that's just amazing
1: you know it seems that way it just seems it seems like there's such an incredible incredible affection for this character on and off behind the screen and on the screen as well um I, i'd love to know from you why like i think in early on in the film the comments made whatever chucky represents to people is real i love that comment cuz i mean you could you could make the argument he's a muppet gone mad but but there's something about him
0: yeah care about um, yeah that's an it's a good line that fiona has uh because he could represent many things depending on how you want to look at it but chucky you know it's uh he he's like three foot tall uh i think three foot three to be exact i measured one time and he's the little guy that still ends up on top. And I think a lot of people can see themselves in that, whether they are physically little, have a, are somebody who has a disability or emotionally somebody who has a mental illness that is very hard or um, something like, like that. It, he is kind of like, a physical representation of somebody who was not given the same cards as somebody else. Obviously he willingly put himself in a doll, but um, as far as a character goes, you could see yourselves in somebody like that. And uh, I think after like the first movie, especially going on in Child's Play 3, he's going for the authority figures. He's kind of going for the people we don't really like anyways the weird creepy doctor and cult of chucky we wanted him to like bash his face in because he was a perv like uh so it's kind of like maybe you can get a sense of empowerment but also if you look at it in another weird way he's a supportive dad of an lgbtq child <laughs> and in this totally other spectrum of horror that we don't usually see like I remember the first season of Chucky when it came out and the line that Chucky has is like, I have a, a gender fluid kid and the the, the character, Zachary is like, uh, and you're not mad. And he goes, I'm not a monster, Jake. And it's just like, I love that line. So whatever it represents to you is so true. He's uh, a lot of people can find themselves in him. Well, Besides uh, murdering people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's, that's not encouraged. Uh, not encouraged. <laughs> well, you know, and what you said there, the, again, this, this speaks something else comes out in the film. D- do you think that Chucky educates? Like the word educate is used in association with him. And I thought that is fascinating because you are, you did address there, the, the idea of, uh, of trans and LGBTQ. It talks about those things. It talks about uh, people with, with physical disabilities. I But I was wondering what that word means to you about Chucky, educating.
0: I think so. I think, um, you know, I think it was premature for its time in 2004 to educate the public on transgender um, things. But now, you know, we're in a world that's more accepting to receive that. So I think it definitely is an educator in terms of, you know, is the monster, you know, this murderous doll or the people who aren't accepting of their friends, their family for who they are inside. I think it's a really great uh, way that Dawn has created this character that uh, can educate in that way that we don't see from any other really horror franchise. And of course now like the main character is gay and, and all those things come into it as well. But when it's affecting the actual horror character it's so lovely Gigi is an icon love them the doll is so cute Lachlan's freaking amazing and it's like I and I mean horror movies have for the dawn of time talked about LGBTQ or you know whatever politics or history that was happening at the time uh and so it's just emphasizing that still
1: well and and the film talks about horror being its own Countercultural subculture the place yeah. where everybody's welcome which i i find is a fascinating idea especially because it's horror like yeah. um so okay here's the question uh, is chucky a hero
0: no <laughs> <laughs> no that was easy
1: <laughs> and done okay
0: some people yes uh and to others their worst nightmare because he's still he murdered a kid in the first season that's so messed up but uh yes yeah, so I wouldn't call him a hero but I I don't know what you would call that a helping hand to others and a nightmare to others
1: hmm. Hmm. that's interesting he's two-handed there you go he's one hand
0: ambidextrous
1: ambidextrous <laughs> Um, I, I the one of the questions that uh, that I wanted to ask you too. I'm not sure. I admit I'm not sure whether you can answer this or not. So forgive me. Okay. Um, I was curious because I mean the film covers the whole gambit from the beginning to uh, to where we are now with the series, but it doesn't address the reboot. And I know that there were new voices and new faces. I was just wondering it because of this family atmosphere that was built. Um, were there any, was, do you have any idea of what the feelings were of those involved with, with the reboot, with, with somewhat of a new cast and and new story?
0: Yes, I do. Um, everybody was not, everybody who is involved in the original franchise was not on board for the reboot, did not want it to happen. Do not pass go, do not collect $200. Um, I remember at the time because it was 2019 that it came out, so I was in college. I think I had already done the short documentary version of this, so I was a bit more involved in the Chucky family at that point. And everybody said no. You know, Brad Dourif declined. My dad declined to do the doll. Uh, Dawn didn't want to do it, and it was a thing where um, MGM has the rights to the first Child's Play. Universal owns two through seven, so technically they still could do it. They just have to, you notice that the doll looks a bit different and that's from copyright issues. Uh, And it just, it felt disappointing. I feel was the, 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 and not accurate of where the franchise was at because the seventh movie had just come out and nothing needed rebooting. Although it went direct to video, it was still very much a live franchise. And at that point in time, it was already greenlit for the TV series. They just hadn't, you know, it was the very early stages, but it was still something that was ongoing. So for it to be rebooted with people, an entirely new cast and crew, it just was sad. And so, and that's definitely why I didn't address it in the Uh, documentary as well because it would seem like such a side tangent which it kind of is no offense to any of the actors I love Audrey Plaza Um, Mark Hamill is great but uh, it's just such a side tangent because it has nothing to do with the actual storyline of Chucky at all it's an AI doll and there's no voodoo elements or anything like that that made Chucky special in the 80s uh, and now, so if I were to have interviewed Mark Hamill or Audrey Plaza for that thing, it would have just been like a 10, 15 minute divergent from the family, which was the whole focus of this. So that's why I didn't include it because I knew it would just feel weird. And I feel like it would be kind of disrespectful to, to Don in a way.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. And I appreciate that. Thank you for, thank you for your time. Honestly, Kira, I, we're running out of time. But thank you so much, and uh, the film is—I'll say it—the film is killer. Um, (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) And I hope you have a great day. Thanks. Oh,
0: thank you so much. Thank you for the interview.
1: Anytime. Thanks so much. Well, have a have a great day.
0: You too.